How do you turn a hemp plant into CBD oil? Hear more about this amazing process on today's episode of Ask the Resource Queen. And now, here's your resource queen, Alex Litwack. And I am back in Crawfordsville with Mark Davidson. He owns Davidson Greenhouse and Nursery and Heritage Pharmacy. Hello, Mark. Hi, Alex. How are you today? I am doing so well. Here's what's exciting to me. We have moved away from the crickets in the field, and now we're going to talk about what happens beyond the harvest. So let's start at that point. You had gorgeous hemp fields filled with beautiful hemp plants, several different varieties. You harvested them and you brought them to this facility. Then what happened? Well, that is where what we thought through the, through the whole growing um, procedure, that that was where the real work was. And we found out that that wasn't really the case, that the, the real work is is the harvesting and post-harvesting of all that material. So uh, this is where uh, we have now uh, moved all the material from the fields into the, uh, and through the processes of drying and bucking and grinding and producing uh, the, the final products from the grow. When you say that you harvest a plant, are you taking it roots and all or you're you're cutting it down at the root so our process of harvesting was a a, a completely a hand harvest by cutting the plants off at ground level and hanging them uh, and bringing them to um, our drying facilities and hanging them as much as you would think as they hang tobacco in 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 barns whole plant drying by hanging um, in in drying facilities they get dry, and do you separate out the parts of the plant then? So, like the drying process um, for each um, for each harvest was about ten to fourteen days of drying. Okay. And we had five varieties. They all came mature at slightly a different time, which was a good for us because we had not really enough drying facilities for the entire grow. So we were able to re use the space over and over so we would dry the first variety get it taken down and out and then and then hang the next variety so at the point where a variety was dry and ready to be taken down out of the drying facility that's when it would move to the next stage and 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 to answer your question we're taking everything off of that plant except for the stem it comes it dries for two weeks 
about? Yeah, two weeks or less. Okay. I mean, 14 days was the, the longest we had, and uh, the shortest was about 10. Okay, and then the next step is called? Bucking. Bucking the material off of the stems. Now, I don't know who came up with that term, but it's, it's, uh, it's the term that's commonly used to, the, to describe removing all the plant material, the leaves and the flowers, off of the stems. Okay, and we're standing in front of this very strange-looking machine. You know, it's, the reason it's strange is because it's a one-of-a-kind. Every piece of equipment that we have in our facility, we built from our own concepts and our own fabrication shop. So uh, we also used a, a, a concept of where are we going with this in the future? How do we provide a, a safe uh, product? And how do we how do we get to the point to where when the FDA does step in that, that we are compliable with all of their um, regulations. So all of the pr uh, equipment that we built is food grade regulatory manufacturer standards. So you could literally um, slice cheese on some of our equipment. You could make food products on it. So everything is made with food grade regulatory standards. Which is excellent. Yes. Because uh, you sound like a good Boy Scout. You want to be prepared. Yeah, nobody wants um, grease in their, um, you know, their uh, CBD oil or anything. No, so, no. You know, we want to be, we want to provide a really good, healthy, safe product. So again, we are talking flour and leaves. Right. So this this machine, if you, uh, if I could describe it, you know, on the radio, is a machine that that. The stems go into a small hole. There's two sets of wheels that grab that stem and, and pull the stem through the hole. And in the process, everything that's, um, that's on that stem gets shucked off or bucked off as it goes through the hole and falls onto a conveyor belt. Um, this is a five-station um, bucker. We have another six-station bucker, so we could literally have um, 11 people um, bucking material all at the same time um, with this machine, we were able to fill um, a standard um, tote type tub every two minutes with, with material, which was a combination of all the leaves and the flowers and buds. The stems go off the backside, and then we literally uh, sent them right into a baler. And you see here's a large bale of the stems. How many acres full of plant material is coming through this machine. So in in 2019, um, we had 20 acres of hemp, which was uh, equivalent to 40,000 clones that we had planted. Wow, that's a lot, Mark. It was more than we anticipated because they grew so well and so vigorously. It was it was equivalent to harvesting. 40,000 Christmas trees, basically. Man, oh, Manischewitz. Okay, so we, we've done the bucking machine, which you guys created on your own. What's the next step? So from the, from the bucking machine, the, the, the material would go into totes, and then the totes would be transferred to our, our trimming department because as of um, September the 13th, an injunction was placed on, on a law that said that we could not sell smokable hemp flour in Indiana and, and put an injunction on that law that said we can sell smokable flour in Indiana. So we converted literally 
um, at that point, on, on September the 14th, we decided that there's a premium for that market. And, and when I say smokable flour, I don't want to make it sound like that's the only purpose for that. The flour has many purposes. You can make butter out of flour. You could put the flour in a smoothie. You can eat the flour. You can put it on a salad. There's lots of ways to consume hemp flour without, without um, smoking it. Um, so I, I'm going to make that clear that the flour has multiple purposes. But it does have a premium in price over the biomass that would go into oil extraction. So we would then... Um, as you see these machines, these are custom built in our, um, one of my partners is uh, uh, owner of B&L Engineering in Crawfordsville. And what they do is custom build factory equipment for all the factories around um, central Indiana. So they have a very unique fabrication shop and engineering department. I would literally go in and with a, with a drawing of what I wanted. And this is what they were producing for us. It's amazing equipment. This is, there's nothing else like this. This is state-of-the-art pioneer prototype um, equipment that would trim the, the, separate the, the leaves from the flowers. The most CBD, the most cannabinoids are in the flower. Absolutely. But there are still some value to those leaves. Absolutely. Because what happens in, in this process of trimming... 80% of the cannabinoids and the terpenes are in the flowers themselves. But the other 20% are in the leaves that are in close to the flowers, the, that are on the flowers. The, the, the only thing in the plant that doesn't have very many uh, cannabinoids or terpenes are the stems and the large fan leaves that primarily fall off in the field before they're even harvested. So by the time we have the plant dried and, and bucked, most all the, the what's left does have a pretty good amount of cannabinoids. For instance, um, our flower was testing out at 15 to 17% CBD, but the trim that we're getting off of the material in our, um, that we're collecting underneath the trimmers is coming in still at 12% CBD content. That's still pretty high. It's, it's good enough because most extractors want a minimum of a 10% CBD content to, to consider it's worth their effort to extract the oil out of it. So 12% is still really good in the, in the marketplace. All right, so now we've, we've bucked, we've now separated flour and leaves and then what happens? So the flour then um, is going through one more time by hand to, to, to inspect it for quality, um, for you know consistency of, of the of the flower. We you know if it needs uh, a little more work, then it, and and it goes through the trimmer again. Um, before it goes to the market, it gets a, a another hand inspection and hand trimming to clean it up and, and really make it you know absolutely beautiful. Um, the biomass then is, uh, goes into another process, which is this machine you see behind us here, which is a, a grinder. So the, 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 um, the extraction facilities want the biomass for oil extraction ground into a consistency of what I consider um, tea leaves that are ready to make iced tea out of. A, a fine grind, uh, quarter inch size pieces or less, 
And um, that's what goes into their extractors. So when you say biomass, you're saying everything that you've cleaned and trimmed and inspected is all now considered biomass. Right. And, and, and had we not separated the flour, okay. then it would have all been ground along with the, the, the trimming. So there would have been no trimming. Everything that came off of that bucking station, had we not been selling flour, would have went right into the, the biomass grinding machine. Biomass grinding machine does what? So there again, this machine is a, is a custom, one-of-a-kind machine that was built through our um, partner in our fabrication facility. So, um, and it's a little unique, it's a little different than, than most uh, methods of grinding because we retrofit some equipment to do this with. The, the main, um, the grinder that, that actually grinds it, it's not actually a grinder. It's, it's got a, uh, we call it a steel cut. It has a, a, a metal drum with blades on it, much like a wood planer would have. And as the material goes through it, it's actually just very, very, in a rapid pace, cutting it into a, a fine um, grind. You know, it's like milling it. Like milling it. It's okay. actually where most, most grinders are like what are considered hammer mills, where they're just beating the material to, to a pulp. And it's not, not necessarily as gentle on it. This method is, has become, um, uh, what, what we have found is it, we kind of created um, a diamond in the rough without even knowing it because there's a whole nother market that has emerged that this machine creates the best product for this new market that anyone has ever seen. And that is the, um, we call it pre-rolls or cones, or what it is is, you know, if, if we were going to really take it back to, hey, we're smoking hemp here, hemp joints, right? And so there's a market for these pre-rolled um, hemp cigarettes. And what we have found through our customer base is that this machine that was made to grind biomass for oil extraction is the most premium cut they've ever seen for making the pre-rolls. It's not beating the material to death, and it's, you know, the hammer mills don't make a nice consistent product, where this, the, the material that comes out of this, I'll show you here, is just a, a, a beautiful, well, they've cleaned it up so well, there's not any material laying around, but it's just all very, very, very uniform, and so it loads well into the machines that make the, the hemp cigarettes. I wanna back up and remind everybody that the hemp plant legally in this country can only have less than 0.3% THC. Correct. So how often is your product being checked? So it's really the, the, the product is checked by the state in the field before harvest. And then post-harvest, we send the, um, the samples off to third-party independent laboratories that then write what's called a COA, which is a certificate of analysis. And what that is, they send that back and that shows the absolute um, values of all the cannabinoids. So it lists the THC, it lists the CBD, it lists the CBDA, the THC, 
uh, A, the, the delta 9, it has them all broke down into the major cannabinoids. A, a good um, lab test will also show the terpene profiles, which is something that we're interested in because we realize the value of that. Right, and the COAs can also uh, be tested for heavy metals right. There's, that and pesticides. Be, yes, yes. Right. so that is considered what's called a full panel test. A full panel test tests for molds, hard metals, pesticides, herbicides, the cannabinoids, and the terpenes. Yeah, which I think makes everybody feel safer. I think it's, a, it's just a must. Now, the, the, then those COAs, um, I don't know about across the country, but in Indiana, in order to sell any hemp products, whether it's CBD oil, CBD um, edibles, or CBD flour, it has to have what's called a QR code. And I think most people know that QR code is what you scan with your cell phone and it pops up the information. So the products in Indiana then would have, you would scan the QR code on say our CBD oil and that would take you to a website that would bring up the, um, the traceability. It would trace it back to our company and then it would pop up with the COA to show the, the customer exactly what is in that product. And we're gonna take this a step farther next year, and we're gonna do um, even a, a few more steps of traceability so that we could be able to tell from a QR code exactly what field it came from, what row it came from, and who picked that hemp. So we can trace this all the way back to a specific very, very unique spot in the field, just in case there were ever a case of a, a problem, um, like you have sometimes with um, agricultural products. Right, you're not looking for any trouble. You're just looking to be safe and, and be right. safe and, for and, your and customers. What if there was some trouble? We wanna be able to take that to the source immediately to analyze that and see where, where that would have came from. It's a very similar thing they do with livestock. If, if someone gets some um, bad beef, you can tell the farm it came from and the and the actual exact location of the that where that animal was right so right so it's it's a public safety thing and that way you can solve the problem right yeah. okay so this this machine then goes ahead and then drops the the ground material onto another conveyor that then um, loads it into what are called super sacks okay super, super <laughs> sacks are pallet sized bags that can hold, um, and this has also got a set of scales on it so we can weigh each super sack. The super sacks um, have, have loops on the top for um, pallet forks to lift them by the, um, by the top. And they're used a lot in, in, in a lot of materials handling um, in, in lots of different products. Super sacks are a common thing in, in bulk handling of, of materials. Right, so once it's in that super sack and it's, it's the weight that you want, then you sell it? Right, that's where we, you know, it's ready to go. And this is how the um, extraction facilities want to receive their material in these super sacks. So they want a, a ground biomass. We call it a homogenized biomass, meaning we've homogenized all the material into a, a ground material. And that's what then they would take and, and scoop right out of the super sacks to load their cylinders in their um, oil extractors. Are you selling your hemp just in Indiana or all over the country? Um, all over the country right now, actually. We actually have customers as far away as California 
Um, it's, it's, it's almost comical to me that we're selling um, our hemp flower in Colorado. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I know that isn't that hard to believe. Yes. You know, you, you have a state that's absolutely marijuana friendly and legal. And what they're finding is that the, the true, real medicinal cannabis is not marijuana. It is it's the medicinal cannabis that we're growing that has very high levels of the other cannabinoids and a, and a microdose of THC. Right. I mean, there are around 113 different uh, cannabinoids, CBD being the most prominent, but it sounds like what's happening now, and you and I talked about this a wee bit, you are starting to hybridize plants to have higher content of particular cannabinoids like CBN or CBG. Absolutely. And this is where it's starting to get exciting. This when you know science has finally got involved with this and they're able to separate these cannabinoids post-extraction, elevate the levels of them in certain oils so that you can get, like right now, um, say CBG in a normal extraction is such a small amount that you, you really can't maybe tell that it's, it's doing anything medicinally. But if you're able to isolate that and then raise that percentage into an oil, this is where they're getting results from different cannabinoids. By And it's the same with the CBD. And I, and I can just tell you my, my personal story. You know, I, I lived in chronic pain my entire adult life. When I finally found the CBD oil and started taking the, the right amount, my pain disappeared. And this is why I got into this entire thing. 30 years of chronic pain and all of a sudden it's gone. It makes you wake up and say, what the heck? How did this happen? And, and, and here's, the, here's the, what I'm saying, the, the comparison. In order to get the 70 milligrams of CBD, that one cannabinoid that I get from this oil from the hemp, and if I was going to get that from medical marijuana, I would have to smoke over 10 joints of marijuana a day to get 70 milligrams of CBD. So this is where the new awakening is, is that the THC actually gets in the way of true medicinal effects of, of cannabis. So by reducing, so what's happening now, and the reason we're selling our um, hemp flower in places like Colorado and, and California, is everyone's aware of this now. And so what they're doing is they're taking our low THC hemp flower, they're mixing it with their marijuana, a 50-50, and they're making like what's called a one-to-one -one ratio like even amounts of CBD and THC. And for certain people with medicinal uh, medical issues, that seems to be a really a great combination. But there's lots of different combinations. I'm, I'm more in favor of less THC because that's the psychoactive uh, cannabinoid and higher levels of CBD and CBN and CBG with, with a microdose of the THC. And I think we are just, you know, riding, we've talked about this, riding the top of this wave because every university, every big pharma company is studying the impact of this amazing hemp plant and the power of all these cannabinoids. So you're, you're what I always tell people is a, a non-religious miracle story. <laughs> and, 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 you know, this is like, what this is doing is really reawakening all of society to 
the reality of, of nature's medicine. It's not just cannabis. There are so many other plants that we have bypassed using because of the convenience of using pharmaceuticals. And one of the things I always try to say to people is, what works for one person doesn't work for all people. And in the world of hemp and CBD, the different potencies, the different ratios, whether you need to have a micro dose of THC in there or no THC, everybody's different. Yes, and, and, and part of that, Alex, is the, um, the difference in people's ailments that they're trying to treat. We all, all humans, and, and I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say all mammals, have an endocannabinoid system. So we all have this system that has receptors for cannabinoids. And so I'm gonna say that I don't think there's one person or one mammal that won't have some medicinal benefit from putting cannabinoids into their body. I have people that get just amazing effects from 10 milligrams of CBD. And I have people with very severe Parkinson's that are taking 300 milligrams a day. So it does really have a, a relevance as to what your ailment is and, and the size of your body, your metabolism rate. There's all kinds of factors that, 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 really, that fall into the how much does a person need to really get benefit from it. Now, I know you're selling to lots of other processing plants, whether they're here or in other states, but you also have Heritage Pharmacy. So without giving away any trade secrets, can you share what makes your oil different? Oh, I would love to. <laughs> and this is one thing that we really were um, being proactive about in creating a, 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 a safe product and, and a healthy product. The hemp flower goes into the oil on the front end of the process. So we're using what's normally used as the carrier oil to dilute the, the concentration, and we're using that oil, and the flour goes into that oil. And the machine heats the oil enough that it has good viscosity, so it moves very freely. And with lots of pressure, it's forced into the hemp flour. So we're infusing the flour with the oil. And then through another process of using heat and, and lots of pressure, it is forced out. Like, so when you make, um, CBD oil with um, ethanol extraction, the terpenes get ruined in the process. They have to add the terpenes back in to, to have terpenes in the oil. So what happens is the lipids bond to the lipids in the hemp. It's not diluting it, it's not, um, make, it's not um, like a solvent dissolves these things. What we're doing is bonding to them. So we're not destroying the, 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 the principal uh, compounds. We're just merely bonding to it. And through the process of squeezing it out, it removes them unaltered and undegraded. So our oil has got um, flavonoids, phytonutrients, terpenes that are off the chart, yeah, this is so cool because it sounds like your process is kinder and gentler to the plant and that by meeting a fat-soluble nutrient with another fat, you are making a very nice marriage. Right. The simple um, way to think of it is that most all CBD oils are would be um, similar to 
Orange juice made from concentrate. Our CBD oil is like fresh squeezed orange juice. I want to thank you for being with me today, for all this excellent information. I'm hoping that our listeners feel like they really understand the power of this plant. I just look forward to the next time that we get together. Thank you oh, so much. Oh, I do much. too, Alex. It's going to be a, a whole nother story and a whole nother chapter when, <laughs> when we speak again, I'm sure. Davidson Farm and Greenhouse has a lovely wide variety of annuals, perennials, vegetables, and more. Located just outside Crawfordsville, Indiana, Davidson's has been bringing beautiful plants into many Hoosiers' lives for over 40 years. Quality plants and a knowledgeable staff are what sets this business apart. Let Davidson's help make your yard into your own little paradise. You may find them on the web at DavidsonGreenhouse.com or on Facebook at Davidson Greenhouse and Nursery. Thanks for tuning in. Please join us next week for a new edition of Ask the Resource Queen. <laughs>